Hey, everybody. My name is Justin Murphy, and this is the Other Life Podcast, where I talk with indie creators, digital hustlers, and unique internet personalities about how to escape from institutional conformity and succeed on the internet instead. To learn more about the Other Life Project, go to otherlife.co. That's otherlife.co. And if you like what I'm doing, I just have one quick favor to ask. Please go and just leave a review in iTunes. It really helps others find the show, and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and a big shout out, especially to my patrons. I could not do this without you all. So thanks. And now, on to the show. All right. Welcome, everybody. Other Life Podcast. We are going with a solo podcast. We are going to take questions from the audience if you have good ones. If you have bad ones, they will be ignored or rejected. And I guess in the event that there's no particularly good questions, I guess I'll just riff and go on my various monologues. But hope, hopefully there'll be some good questions. I got Ben here, my 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 starving intern, Ben, yeah. who's moved to Austin just to help me grow this YouTube channel. He's on the mic. He's going to be heard to you, but not visible to you. We have a new setup here, as you can see. This is my first time doing a solo show from the new Austin home studio. So that's the game plan. That's pretty much, I have no plans. I have no prepared speeches. I mean, I have some interesting things I can share, some updates as always, but this is going to be all about the audience. And by the way, all super chats, if you feel so generous, will go to Ben. All right. Cause I'm not really able to pay him what he's worth quite yet, but I'm, I'm committed to figuring it out and I will get him paid. And the least I can do in the short term is if there are super chats, I'll, I'll put that directly into Ben's account. Do we have any good questions yet, Ben? Uh, let's see. We have uh, Gavin Baker saying hello. David Speaking the to the mic, so. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay. So we have Gavin <laughs> Baker. Hello. David the Gnome. Sup. Auto agent. Yo. All right. Those are not good questions, okay. though. <laughs> Dale Earnhardt. What in day sup? Idiot tech. What in day sup? All right. We want good questions, though. So if the answer is no, that's, that's fine. All right. No. Just I say no. Okay. And then I will carry on. So Ben and I were working oh, working on you got one okay hang hang tight let me let me tell the audience what we were doing today so basically for those of you who don't know let me let me make sure i give you this whole story so ben my intern is an undergraduate student he's finishing his degree at the university of new mexico that's where i met him in albuquerque he's gonna graduate in about three months his graduation date is may 15th all right and he wasn't doing anything particularly fun in albuquerque because of the pandemic everything was on lockdown so I basically said to him, I said, Ben, look, I can't pay you what you're worth yet, but I'm committed to trying to figure it out because I want to get you working full time, just editing audio and video for me and helping me grow my, my operations. So I said, look, you're bored and not doing anything particularly satisfying or fun in Albuquerque. So why don't you just, since you're working remote now and you don't have to be in Albuquerque to complete your degree, why don't you just move to Austin? I'll help you get set up. I'll help you find a place. And that way we can start working together and you can live in a cooler city with cooler people than in Albuquerque and your monthly obligations will pretty much stay the same. So your financial situation isn't really changing and I'll let you finish your schoolwork. I won't work you too hard, too hard, but you can at least come to a cool city and we can start messing around and start getting into the groove so that when you graduate in, in May, hopefully by then we'll have built up enough of a system that we can confidently say, okay, I'll pay you X amount of money because here we have the data. It shows that you're growing the channel well enough that it, it's worth it for me to pay you. So that's the game plan. All right. Yeah. But 
we were looking at the channel today and <laughs> folks, the statistics are not great on this channel, which is why I need you to subscribe and click the bell so you get notifications or else Ben is going to starve. Yeah. Look, we have 10, we, we almost have 10,000 subscribers. Okay. Which is not great, frankly, for how many videos I've made over how many fucking years. <laughs> I think we have like more than 500 videos. Uh, and look, it's, I take some responsibility because I've never done any of this bullshit that YouTubers do where they like pressure people to like and subscribe and reply. And I, we've never really taken the titles very seriously. We've never taken the thumbnails seriously. I've never taken any of it too seriously, honestly. But now we need to do that because Ben is going to starve and go homeless if I don't grow this channel, basically. So we're, so that's what we're doing. Ben came out to Austin. It's no joke. We are going to get serious about growing this channel. And in fact, I'm going to share with you our goals. They're very ambitious. I don't know if they're possible, but mark my words. I told Ben that if he can help me grow the channel from 10,000 subscribers, which is what it's about right now, up to if he can double that in three months. Okay, it's somewhat ambitious, I know, because it took me like a few years to get to 10,000. But if Ben can find a way to double the subscriber count between now and when he graduates in May, listen to this, folks. I, I kid you not, this is not clickbait. This is not a joke. I will give Ben $5,000 cold hard cash. I'm not kidding. I promised him. I, I, and I really will. If he can get the subscriber count from 10,000 to 20,000 in the next three months, because that is proof that his, his, his contribution to the team is absolutely worth it. And, and from there we, we can work from there. So basically I need you to subscribe to this channel and I need you to click the bell. So you get notifications and I need you to leave a reply and I need you to like my shit folks or else i'm cool yeah. i'm fine because i'm i'm doing lots of other things yeah please whoever's listening youtube right now for me is not a major money engine i do it because it's fun and because it's a way for me to you know say what i think and develop develop my ideas and and, and produce content that i find interesting and worthwhile and brings more people from the world into my little world but uh it's not it's not a money engine for me at all so i don't mm -hmm. i don't really need it or care about it for money but I do want to make it the way that Ben gets paid because he's good at video editing and I really want to, I really want to be able to support another person on my team. And Ben has been a loyal supporter and a uh, voluntary worker for slave. quite <laughs> one could say slave. Although dude, no, don't it's it's dude, don't say that the labor feds are going to come oh, after shit. us. They're going to put me in jail and you're not going to get to work on YouTube videos yeah, anymore. Right. So just take it back. Yeah, no. I take it back. It was um, so that's where we're at. That's the goal. We're gonna we're gonna try to we're gonna try to double the subscriber count in three months. If Ben can do it, I'll give him five thousand dollars. If he can't do it, he might die. He might yeah. starve. He might literally be a homeless person if you don't subscribe to the channel. So, all right, do we have questions coming yet? Yeah. And super chats. Like I said, super chats will go directly to Ben. Yeah. Uh, so he, I mean, he still no good questions. Uh, David the Gnome asks, uh, have you ever thought about instead of microdosing and engaging in Silicon Valley culture, maybe try weightlifting culture? <laughs> thought about this. Um, make sure you're speaking into the mic oh, enough. Sorry. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If, if you can pull it closer or scoot your chair in or whatever, but pull that sucker up. you might just want to pull your chair and pull get it, closer yeah, to the mic. Go. There okay. you go. Can you, can you hear me? So further question onto the screen and say it again. Oh, okay. It's on the screen. Uh, David the Gnome asks, have you ever thought about instead of microdosing and engaging in Silicon Valley culture, maybe try weightlifting culture? My first answer to this would be, why can't you do all these at the same time? You can do all these at the same time. And I would say that I roughly do that. I mean, I haven't been lifting a lot of weights lately, but I lift weights. I mean, 
periodically. Like there was a couple years, uh, a few years ago where I lifted a lot of weights, but since the pandemic has been on and since we've been like nomading around since leaving England, I just haven't had many belongings. So I haven't had weights and I haven't been uh, active in a gym with the coronavirus. So yes, weightlifting is something I have neglected for, for many months. But uh, my answer would be I can microdose LSD and lift weights both. Yeah. That And I think that would be the ideal lifestyle oh, is yeah, to do both sure. of those a, a fairly good amount. I'm not giving life advice, folks. Um, only you know what's best for, for you. Anything else? Oh, someone. Um, let's see. Okay. Godward Podcast asks, uh, Justin, how is Bitcoin liberationist if all the capitalist mega CEOs are buying way more than we can of it? Wait, what? Say it again. Uh, Justin, how is Bitcoin liberationist if all the capitalist mega CEOs are buying way more than we can of it? Uh, dude, a lot of mega capitalist wealthy people are not buying it yet. And you can. <laughs> so that's one part of the answer. Like if you're fucking Goldman Sachs or whatever, do you know how much work and time it takes to get the whole institution on board to make a purchase of Bitcoin? It literally takes them months from when they decide to do it. Or rather, let me put it this way. When a handful of executives decide that it's something that they think the institution should do, they then have to get a bunch of other people to buy into it. They need to have meetings. They need to do due diligence. They need to do all this stuff. It takes them ages. And that's why they still haven't done. That's why a lot of them still haven't done it yet. But I can tell you, I mean, I don't want to say for a fact, because I don't have any insider information, but I am highly, highly confident personally that right now, especially because Elon Musk recently bought uh, Bitcoin with the Tesla balance sheet, there are, as we speak, executives in many large institutions. These are very, very wealthy people working for and with extremely wealthy and powerful institutions who right now are planning to buy Bitcoin, but they can't yet because it just takes time with their institutional processes. But you and I can literally just go on Coinbase or wherever and buy as much Bitcoin as we want. So that's one part of the answer to your question. It's it remains to this day at this moment. I'm not giving financial advice because I have no idea what I'm talking about, but these are just my perspectives. So don't do anything stupid with your money. Don't take undue risk or whatever. Please, I, I honestly don't want to. I I don't want anyone to like take my my strong beliefs or theories, uh, you know, uh, recklessly. But I am saying what I really do think, which is that it's still like a massively good opportunity right now because. I don't know. I, no one has been able to explain this reasoning away to me. Like, if you do believe that there is going to be more institutional money going into Bitcoin, and that takes time for them to for for them to basically organize those operations, then to me, it's just like low hanging fruit. It, to me, to me, it's like hard to imagine the price of Bitcoin does not increase over the next you know several months as all of the bigwigs who are watching Elon Musk are now like doing this with their with their corporate cronies or whatever. But the the smaller you are actually the more agile you are and the more you know the faster you can move on this kind of thing so that's one part of the answer but the other part of the answer is if you look at the people who got richest from crypto it's people who are like way crazier than me and who are even more like outsider than me or you it's like you know people who were buying bitcoin in like 2010 or whatever doing all kinds of sketchy things whether it's like drug dealing or gun dealing or whatever, just like true weirdos on the real margins of institutions. Those are the people who got richest, right? So uh, not like hedge fund managers, not wealthy people. I mean, to this day, a lot of like super wealthy people like 
Peter Schiff or whatever, there's still a lot of skeptics. Warren Buffett also, I think. Uh, these are super wealthy and powerful people who are not going to be getting rich from Bitcoin because they're old money, because they're skeptical and and boomers, basically. So I think th those would be my two answers to that question. What else do we got? Maybe I kind of want to say don't don't say people's names oh. or don't put it on the screen unless it's a super chat. Oh, great. People okay. people should have to pay for the real estate. Yeah. Well, yeah, someone here, dollars. Oh, sorry, not to say his name, but okay. Someone says, I don't see the super chat option. Oh. Uh, dollar sign 666. Wah, wah. Maybe that's because my like AdSense is um, getting, it's transitioning because oh, okay. I changed address and had to, oh. had to change all of that. All right. Um, Oh, that's a oh, bummer. That sucks. Sorry, Ben. For me, yeah. I guess. Sorry, Ben. I'll buy you. Gonna starve. I'll buy you tacos for tonight. Uh, oh, you're serious. Um. Oh. Okay. So yeah, we here's another one. Um, I've noticed that many of my uni theoretical philosophical or philosophy professors don't know much about medieval philosophy. Why is that? Hmm. Yeah, medieval philosophy is, I would say, across the board, extremely neglected in academia for a kind of reasonable reason, which is that. There are definitely super legit and interesting medieval thinkers, but the medieval period is known for just rather slow moving uh, kind of philosophical advancement, right? So with the modern period, you would just have this uh, kind of extreme flowering of philosophies, whereas the the uh, the great medieval thinkers, of which there are many, were it, things moved much slower. I think that I think that's that's part of it. And uh, probably also a kind of anti-church bias. Like we we today look back, we kind of look down on uh, the great religious thinkers to some degree. And in the medieval period, most of the great thinkers in the medieval period were, whether it's in the Islamic world or in the Western world, were associated with uh, some school of, of of religious thought and practice. And I think we generally just are less into that today because we we believe that modern rationality has has kind of superseded religious thought. Of course, you can still find classes and yeah. people who will teach medieval philosophy, but it's just seen as uh, you know second rate or or like less less interesting or less relevant to to contemporary times. Uh, we have uh, someone asking a geographical question: um, What neighborhood in Austin do a meetup in Zilker when it gets warm? What neighborhood in Austin? Yeah. I feel like I don't want to tell people on the internet where I live because I don't know. I'm <laughs> for some reason I'm nowadays I'm just like I like I like people not knowing that. Uh, so I won't say where I live, but I will say that I've been meeting up with people everywhere. So yeah, I've met up I've met up with a bunch of people from Twitter, and I'll just meet them like downtown or usually halfway between where I am and where they are. So. <laughs> What? Oh, sorry. Uh, someone just made a comment, I guess, uh, regarding my homelessness situation. Or, yeah, soon-to-be situation. Uh, he is going to be a homeless person with a degree. Sounds like us, really. Here, Ben, you sit here for a minute, yeah. and I'm going to see if I can turn uh, on Super Chats. I want to go into the oh, settings. Fuck. It'll be fun. I, I have to sit there. All right. Yeah, you you don't even need to talk if you don't want to. Okay. You just... Uh, but you can. You should. Uh, go ahead. This will be fun. Yeah. You hate this? You don't yeah, have to. No, it's, it's fine. Uh, what do you What do you think about Austin so far? It, it's actually, yeah, probably uh, my favorite American city that so you've far. ever been yeah. in. Yeah, and that I, what have I been here ten days, and I can't get enough of it. It's uh, really it's pretty so amazing. You, yeah. So I mean, you're happy that you moved here? I'm very happy. Yeah, I couldn't be happier. Really. I mean, yeah, barring all the homeless, you know, stuff, and you know, maybe you know, starving to death and all that. It's great. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy. Privilege to be uh, 
How is it living with Barrett? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you yeah, guys it's are getting really along cool. well. He's a really chill guy, really lovely person, and uh, yeah, his cat is the cutest little creature, little critter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm having a blast. It's really, nice. That's yeah, really cool. nice. Yeah. Thanks again for setting that up. Sort of putting that. Yeah, this is very strange. Yeah. How does it feel to be in the hot seat? Awful. Yeah. I mean, really? no, it's all right. I don't know. It's just you know, there's like a big disconnect because I'm not. I don't really. I'm not very aware. I mean, yeah. I'm sure this is going to be. Um, well, I don't know. It's just very strange. <laughs> no, just think about it. Really. I did kind of put you on the hot spot yeah. uh, in the, in the hot seat without much advance warning. No, I kind of like that. Off the cuff, spur of the moment. Well, I'm trying to see why my uh, super chats are off, and I'm gonna find a way to. You have really nice handwriting. Oh, you're looking at my notes. Yeah, it's very nice. What does it say about my personality? Oh, I don't know. You want me to divulge that in public? Is that a? Um. Yeah. Interpret, <laughs> yeah. interpret my personality oh, from well it, it's it's visible i mean obviously you're you're very open like it's legible to, to to a person who has trouble usually reading like handwriting even just non-cursive like i can't even read cursive but yeah yours is very uh, it's nice print yeah i'd say you have very like thick uh, pronounced lines you're a very uh, forward person really um, forward and open yeah you probably what do you like nice you probably yeah you're pretty uh disagreeable yeah you got that from my handwriting wow yeah have you done you've done your five big five um yeah i have yeah. have you i don't know oh yeah i guess i think it's pretty standard for all like psych majors to take this yeah i don't know yeah you're just uh seems like you're you're just a free-spirited kind of asshole no all right guess what ben i figured it out great oh I, beautiful thank you i turned on whoa now they have super stickers i don't even know what that is but okay weird flex cool. but okay all right. No wonder we haven't been making in lieu of money. Dude, no wonder we haven't been making any super chats because they've been off. It's oh, been disabled. Man. You know why? It's because I had to change my AdSense, my Google AdSense nonsense. Um, but we got it now. We got it. All right. So anyway. All right. Doing it, doing it. Well, we still ma managed to keep okay. keep all of our subscribers. There you go. <laughs> Great. Yeah, was that interesting enough? All right. Super chats are now turned on, folks. Sorry about these growing pains in the new studio in, in Austin, uh, but thanks for hanging out with us as always. So I think now you have super chats. If you want to, if you want Ben to be able to eat tacos tonight, uh, I will answer any question you have if you throw up a super chat. And as long as there is no uh, truly unwholesome language, we will display it on the screen too. Um, people, tell me if you do have the super chat option. If you don't, that's okay. But um, I did turn it on, so. I guess there's some possibility that it like doesn't update between chats or whatever, but whatever. All right. Any other questions? What else we got? Uh, yeah, there's a lot. Okay. Get a, give me a good one. Oh, a good one. Um, oh, I guess it's pretty topical. Uh, have you seen uh, the, that feeling with no girlfriend doc? It has comp bot in it. Yeah, of course I've seen it. I've talked about it on here a couple times. Um, yeah, I saw it. I saw it like before it was released. Yeah, we both did. Oh, yeah. That's right. In LA, right? In the director's home. That's right. That was pretty cool. That's right. Yeah. What else we got? Thoughts on Fichte? That's, you want to elaborate on that? On Fichte? Fichte? How do you say his name? I do not know that much about... I've, I've heard most people say uh, Fichte. Fichte. But I have not read much Fichte. I'm not very strong on German idealism. Yeah. Isn't he the original innator of the like, synthesis kind of the Oof. dialectic? No, he's not. I well, he unless he, unless he's um, I, I'm I already said I don't know, yeah, so I okay, shouldn't yeah, speak. Sorry, right. But um, no, you're thinking of Hegel. 
Yeah, I know, but I thought it was a real. Oh, is that right? You could be, you could know something that I don't, I, don't I try not I to speak know. out of school. You know, people, uh, people like to talk shit about me, but, uh, one thing I think I'm pretty good at is if I don't know something, I just say, I don't know. That's good. Intellectual. Um, are you going to talk with mold bug again? Am I going to talk with mold bug again for a stream for a stream? Uh, eventually probably. Yeah. The thing is that I just want to expand my audience and I don't want to be pigeonholed as like neo reactionary i don't really care what people call me it's not that kind of thing it's more just like i'm not i'm not like the actual truth of my interests are such that i, I mean i'm not i'm not like obsessed with curtis jarvin types but um i'm cool with curtis like i would i would definitely have him on again but i just don't want that to, to over define the brand you know what i mean and i guess you can yeah you should i guess you should throw people's questions on the okay. screen yeah that would be nice. but uh if you give a super chat we'll definitely put it on the screen unless you use extremely unwholesome language, in which case no amount of super chat will get us to sell our souls. Okay, here's a good one. All right, um, what do we got? Barbarian Report asks, do you think uh, China will take over the world via technocratic symbiosis with Sim Silicon Valley using new tech AI to become the main superpower? Ooh. Um, I think if I had to put money on it, I'm sad to say this because I love America and I do think America is the best country by far. Uh, but I am sad to say that if I had to put money on what will happen, it does seem to me that China is very likely going to take over as the global hegemon in the not too distant future, just because, well, pretty much two reasons. One is that their centralized political control allows them to move much faster and in a more focused way and with a much longer time horizon. Like the Chinese Communist Party plans hundreds of years in advance or at least decades in advance. And that's just something the U.S. government is literally incapable of doing, more or less. I mean, the U.S. government's in incapable of doing much, but that's part of it. And then the other part of it is just culturally, America is so hampered by political correctness and democracy more generally. Everything is a debate. Everything is a discussion. Everyone has all of these like crazy mental fixations that uh, really get in the way of true national cohesion and, and action. Um, and then when you combine these things with the fact that the Chinese people just have higher IQ and like they're smarter people and you combine all of those things and pretty much it's hard to see a future in which China does not become, uh, the global, the global hegemon. However, the risk here or the, the one, the one thing I would add is I do think that authoritarian governments are more brittle so the open question that's not clear is whether or not China is able to sustain its economic growth while remaining an authoritarian country. History suggests no. I mean, history suggests that you just, as a country becomes more wealthy, it becomes more democratic. And as a country becomes more democratic, it becomes more wealthy. And we just don't have many case studies in history of a deeply authoritarian country actually sustaining economic growth and becoming a rich country. It's it's very hard. Um so I think there's some possibility that either China as it China becomes wealthier, China democratizes, and then it just becomes kind of the sclerotic, you know, uh, crappy government akin to what we have in the in West in the West. Hmm. But um, another possibility would be that they choose to prioritize authoritarianism over economic growth. In which case, it's possible that they would not have the 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 kind of uh, power trajectory that it looks like they have now. I see there are some super chats. So 
You want me to throw that out? Yeah, totally. Yeah, unless they first, unless uh, they say extremely bad language. I think I'm not okay. Let's see. Predictions for for the next big crackdown civil civil liberties. Sorry, I cannot speak. Uh, how can we make a profit by undermining new regulation? Say it. Dollar sign six six six. Sorry, yeah, one more time. Here we go. Go slower. Nail this. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go really slow. <laughs> Predictions for the next big crackdown on uh, civil civil liberties. Mm-hmm. How can we make a profit by undermining new regulation? Um, those are two questions. <laughs> um, let's start with the first one. Predictions for the next big crackdown on civil liberties. I will say that. What I would brace for is I think when it comes to employment, I think we're seeing a major change in in employment law because even like 10 years ago, everyone at least pretended to practice a kind of colorblind anti-racist employment practice such that it was widely agreed for a long time that you could not hire or fire someone based on their skin color. And now it does seem to me that increasingly you you can hire or fire if you're doing it as a anti-racist gesture. In other words, I think the gloves are kind of coming off now in 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 the world of hiring and firing, in the world of employment and labor law, where it looks to me like you can now say basically if you're a company you can say we have a position open and we're only hiring people of color or we're only hiring this type of person. So it used to be the case that you no one would really say that explicitly because for the most part most civilized people agreed that discrimination should just not be, you know, allowed at all. But now it does seem like there is going to be an increasingly popular explicit practice of race-based hiring and social justice people seem to think that's a good thing. I find it terrifying and probably a really, really bad disaster in the long run. Um, I mean, I don't, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I think I think I'm a little, I'm kind of worried about that becoming more institutionalized, but ultimately it'll probably go to the courts and hopefully the courts will say, uh, Hey people, that's crazy. You can't do that, but we'll see. And the second part of that second part, uh, how can we make a profit by undermining new regulations? How can you make a profit by undermining regulations? Uh, Bitcoin. Or, you know, just generally crypto is, is, I think that's the best way to like short the regulatory state is to buy crypto. I think not financial advice. I don't know what I'm talking about. All right. What else? Even Dogecoin? <laughs> I don't, I've never bought any Dogecoin. That's all I bought. Yeah. Yeah. Did I'm you? Robin Hood. Yeah. I don't know. My friend just told me to do it. And I did it. I don't know anything about okay. it. Okay. Okay, Shoot cool. For the moon. What else we got? This uh, is great, Ben. We're getting super chats. This yeah, means you get great. to eat tacos tonight. I know. Oh my god! Thank you so much. Everyone. All super oh. chats go to Ben. Okay. Um, Zik a Foos twenty twenty. Uh, Zika Zika. Um, where's System Kia Kai? He lives in Tihas Zion. Tijas. I don't know what this means. It's just gibberish. But uh, um, no, no. Okay, just say just say things clearly and word yeah. for word, and then where's we'll System? K- yeah, System Kai. Oh, is that he a was thing? a former podcast oh. guest? Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. He lives in where? Uh, he lives in T uh, Jazz Zion. All right, I don't know. I haven't talked with him. He was a nice, smart young guy, interested in some weird stuff. Like, uh, but I haven't talked to him, so I can't. I, I don't have a good answer to that. But thank you for asking. Thanks for the super chat. Thank you for donating. Uh, to Ben's. Yeah, I really ta- appreciate that. Taco, thank you so much. Taco fund. Yeah. Um. Good. All right. Uh, here's another one. Um. Eve Everett. 
I was waiting for Base Bataille, which never came to be, though one of your patron tiers promises a mention in your uh-huh. next book project. Absolutely. What's the next book? You got it, EV. Yeah, I, I, am, I feel very strongly that I will eventually do Base to Bataille. It's a book I would really like to write, and I, I do want to do a series of the Base to books because it was fun to write Base to Luz, and it didn't take me that long, and people seem to really like it. So I'm still quite interested in possibly writing Base to Luz. Or I'm sorry, base Pattaya, but uh, it's just not a priority at this, at this point. You know, um, we'll see. But I will be happy to uh, give you a shout out in my next book if you're if you've if you've been a patron for a long time. So I will make good on that. Do not worry. Honestly, the truth is, what I'm actually thinking about more and more is I want to write something a little bit more practical. I just think it'd be fun to try. Um, I can always write books about philosophy and science or whatever, but I'm interested just to see if I could really help people with something and what I'm actually, so I'm, what I'm actually thinking about, I'll just give you my interior monologue. What I'm, what I'm thinking about at the moment is um, I've been writing a lot about marriage and people seem to really be interested in that. I kind of want to write a book about marriage and dating, but specifically for young men who want to navigate the landmines of contemporary feminism, because I just think that's a really hard thing if you're a young guy and you're you're smart and based and like you're just a good, honest, intelligent young man and you want to date and you want to get married, but you have to navigate this horrible minefield of like feminism and all these like different weird ideas that women have nowadays, especially young women. I think I have a lot of advice for that because my wife, who I love very much and who, you know, I'm very proud and 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 grateful to say I have a very happy marriage and we've been married for seven years she was a hardcore feminist when we first met and I had to kind of navigate the minefield of social justice feminism to like get my wife. And I have a lot of insights on that and tips and tricks, I think for how young men should try to date and get a wife in contemporary social justice culture while not cucking themselves, basically while, while kind of keeping their, keeping their head held high, keeping their chin up and staying a man, but also successfully navigating this world where like every woman you date, wants you to be like a feminist beta cuck. Mm-hmm. Like there's a way, there's a way of, of, of navigating that, which I think I figured out when I was dating my wife and I want to write that book, <laughs> like how to book. do that. I need to read this book. Um, yeah. You, yeah. That's right. So that's it. But I don't know. I, I get so many ideas all the time. I never know what exactly I want to do at the moment. I won't be writing a book anytime too soon because I'm building indie thinkers and it takes a lot of time. Uh, IndieThinkers.org is my main project and it's really growing. I'm really happy with it and I'm really pleased, but it's, it's, it's like a serious business and I'm, I'm really, I need to work on that a little bit longer and then I need to pass it off to someone who can run it uh, like a business person. And then I'll go back to writing my books as the main gig. So sh- that's the long answer. The short answer is um, if you stay a patron, I'll definitely give you a shout out in the book. I promise I'll make good on that. Don't worry about that. Uh, but I do not know what the next book will be. This is what I'm currently thinking about that or a data science book. Cause that is kind of my real professional expertise. And, uh, I kind of want to do, like I said, I want to write something like super practical that can really help people. And I think I've talked about this on the channel. I think, uh, actually my data science skills are some of the most concrete things I can give to people in my audience who could actually significantly help their lives. So that's just where my mind is at. We'll see though. What else we got? Yeah, we have another super chat from Spiced. Thank yes. you, Yes, what's up, Spiced? OG uh, of the channel. Ever think about moving to East Texas? I have only ever been to Texas one time, so I don't really know uh, the difference. I mean, I drove through West Texas. I don't know what East Texas is like. I hardly know what Austin is like. So 
the short answer I'm afraid is not very insightful. The answer is no, I have not thought about moving anywhere other than Austin because so far so good. I like it. And no, I'm afraid not. West Texas is interesting though. It's like very boring and, 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 and plain, but it's like the cheapest energy in the world because they have good wind and they have good solar. So for like Bitcoin mining or whatever, I'm not going to get into Bitcoin mining, but uh, there are people doing interesting stuff in Texas in part because of these energy reasons. I think this is one of the reasons why Musk has as, as uh, Tesla factories here. And it's why there's like a lot of crypto startups is because energy is really cheap. So do, building some kind of crazy like energy compound or something like it's kind of interesting to me. And I'm not going to do that, but uh, that's just interesting to me. What else we got? Yeah, we have another one from EV Everett. $5. Thank you very much. Um, I'm already married, but I may want another wife. What kind of psych research went into your matchmaking system for your arranged marriages project? If you're already married, you cannot have another wife. Case closed. The whole point of being married is you will never have anyone else again. And that sounds like a scary thing. It sounds like a constraining thing, but it's a really a liberating thing. It's a beautiful thing. So my answer to you is you have to, you have to be a man and you have to accept and own and embrace the decisions you've made in your life. And you need to come to terms with the fact that if you have a wife, that's the only woman you will ever know again in, in that in that way. And that's a beautiful thing. And you should enjoy that and cherish it. So I have no advice for you on, on anything else. If you need advice on how to love your wife and how to you know age with your wife, uh, that is something I have been learning or been, you know, uh, I can hardly claim to be a master of that. I'm only 34, but you know, actually being married and actually learning what it means to be married and to really kind of confront the fact like, wow, this woman I married, I'm, she's the only woman I'm ever going to be with again. That can be a heavy thing to accept. It really is. That's an existential challenge there. And it can fuck with your head for sure. And it does take a certain kind of philosophical, I think, uh, sophistication or, or just basic kind of existential seriousness and honesty uh, to, to think that through and to, and to, and to integrate that into your life in a way that's healthy and honest and and real, it's it can be a, it can be a, a bit of a crazy thing to process mentally. So it's challenging. But this is the type of stuff I'd like to put in my book on marriage. So we'll see when I get around to that. But that is something I'm happy to accept questions on. But questions about how to get a second wife, I'm afraid I have to decline on that. But thank you for the super chat. Thank you for uh, contributing to my unpaid interns taco fund he is asking uh, about the he said i am a man lol i'm getting divorced unfortunately so answer the question about your project sorry ben you need to go speak slower oh, and, sorry, and sorry. enunciate yep. a little bit okay uh evie says it was a joke oh sorry i am a man lol i'm getting divorced unfortunately so answer the question about your project about the psychology behind uh, the psychology research that went into your arranged marriage project. Oh, okay. First of all, sorry for misunderstanding the question. If you're getting divorced, I understand that's a different situation. And I'm afraid I can't speak to that too much, but I wish you the best on that. And right. So the other question is what psychology research went into the arranged marriage idea? Well, I can tell you the honest version, and then I'll tell you the more sophisticated version. So the honest version is I had the idea for arranged marriage agency that would uh, allow alienated liberal secular Westerners who are constantly postponing marriage to finally get married. And then I thought, I wonder if there's psychology, if there's psychology research that suggests this, uh, or supports this. So I just called up Jeffrey Miller and I called up Razib Khan 
and I called up Diana Fleischman and I just asked them, <laughs> I, I, I said, if you could only ask a few questions of someone, what, what, and then based on those questions, you had to predict whether or not they'd be good marriage partners, what would they be? And they all said the same thing, more or less. And I took that as I took that as a pretty strong, you know, agreement or convergence that this is probably the case. Now, when I as we actually build out this marriage agency, which we're doing right now, I will do more research for sure. We will refine the model, no doubt. We will we will we will develop and further study and further test and further reflect on the the statistical matching algorithm. But just to kick things off, I did just basically go with what my three psychology expert friends said, since they all agreed, I took that as a strong signal that they were probably right. And basically what they said was just um, big five personality, age, income, and religiosity was basically what they said. And more or less on most of those factors, you want similarity, like rough, at least rough similarity. But for the man, you want the man to be a little bit more disagreeable than the woman. And you want, uh, and you want the the man to have a bit more money. I think I might have added that after. I forget, but the main th those were the variables that both Razib and Jeffrey and Diana, all three of them, said to me. So I took that I took that as starting points, and then I went and I did do research. We 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 did read a lot of papers, but I did a kind of uh, personal, you know, kind of step back and and had to use my judgment about what seemed the best to to focus on. I didn't do like a very deep meta analysis or anything like that. I didn't I didn't do like a, a, an extremely systematic uh, study, but I did read a bunch of papers. And what I came to basically as the initial model is more or less matching on those key variables that I said, personality traits with just a couple of differentiating uh, factors across men and women. And then uh, here's something I found in the research that I did not know or did not expect early on is that one of the best predictors of marriage success is it's not about the dyad. It's not, it's not about the, the, the two people. It's about individual level variables of the individual people. In other words, happy people are just more likely to be happy with their marriage. It's kind of obvious when you think about it, but it's not so obvious necessarily because you might think it all. So you might, you might think it's all about, you know, some magic formula about what unites the people. But actually, if you want to, if you want to arrange happy marriages, there's a case to be made that you should just select for the happiest people. So I think we're going to do a little bit of that in the, in the, in our first matches, we are going to uh, lean towards individuals who themselves are relatively happy people. So yeah, I haven't worked it out fully. I'm, I'm, I will eventually publish some kind of formal statement of what the arranged marriage like statistical matching algorithm is. So I'm just giving you off the cuff, like what I remember. I haven't, I had my head in this in, in the past few weeks because I've been focused on other things. The arranged marriage agency is ultimately at the moment, it's a side project. We'll see if it, you know, becomes a, a bigger project, but uh, I'm just riffing off the cuff from what I can remember. So some of that might've been slightly off, but that's a basic answer. Okay. Uh, we have another one from Spice, All right. $2. Um, any plans to have DC Miller back on? I have not talked with DC Miller any time in the recent past. I know that Nina Power is still in touch with him, and I think they're they're still friends. But uh, I talk with Nina a lot, but I haven't talked with DC in a long time. I don't know, so I don't really know. I just like Curtis, I would be happy to have him back on the podcast, but I'm not trying to make the Other Life brand all about these kind of like shadowy uh, reactionary edge lords. 
I I enjoy talking with shadowy reactionary edge lords sometimes for sure, but <laughs> that's not like my main focus. So I don't want to have you know them on too much, basically. But yeah, sure, I'd have him on again. Why not? He's an interesting dude. All right, another one from EV Everett, five dollars. Um, thank you again, and thank you, Spiced, for the two dollars. Um, okay, I'm a PsyD clinical psychologist. So is it possible to break down uh, further uh, your marriage app beyond the general big five stuff? Oh, yeah, sure. So it's very simple. It's it's really not that sophisticated at the moment. We're starting very simple. What we're doing is just basic statistical filtering or matching in the first stage. And then what that does is it basically puts people into buckets or it gives each person, it assigns to each person a subset of possible matches. And then my partner Katya <clears throat> will do the interviewing of people in that, in that, uh, my actually I have two partners, uh, Katya and, uh, Raven are both going to be helping out with this. And so that's really all there's to it. There's a, there's a kind of algorithmic quantitative component, but that's really just filtering. And then the actual matchmaking is going to be based on qualitative, uh, extended, in-person meetings and interviews and using using uh, personal judgment basically and this i think actually maps on to the history of arranged marriages more effectively right because when you look at the history of arranged marriages it is mostly women in communities sometimes known as yentas who basically connect people with friends of friends and uh you know historically arranged marriages are, are arranged by women who have active roles in relationships with the people that they're matching in one way or another. So yeah, that I, I, yeah, like I said, we're just, it's big five, um, income and religiosity are, are the big ones. And we will experiment with like what types of, uh, statistical algorithms make the most sense. But in the early, in the first go, the first cut, those will be the big ones that I look at. That'll put people into subsets, and then Kat, and then uh, Katya and, and Raven will use their judgment to make suggested matches. But then we're going to learn from that what works, and as as we get feedback from the qualitative judgments and the and the suggested matches, like maybe in the first round, all of the qualitative judgments turn out to be false, and none of the marriages work. Then we might go back. You know, we're going to take that insight and take that kind of subjective um, input and and use that to update the the statistical matching algorithm. So that's the way I'm currently thinking about it. I was actually recently approached by an investor who wanted to do an app instead. And- uh, oh, So it's not an app. No, at the moment it's like a high touch boutique agency basically. Ooh. So it's like an expensive, it's gonna be a super expensive personalized process at in the first instance. Oh shit. Um, but I was approached by an investor who mm. loves the idea because a lot of people love the idea. I mean, yeah. this this of all the things I've kind of floated in the past in the past mm. like six months, stuff I've written about, the arranged marriage concept is probably the thing that got the most traction in terms of like powerful people contacting me and like wanting to help it in some way or really? another. Yeah, yeah. That's um, so this one guy wanted to do an app. He was a nice guy. I met with him. Uh, it's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah. He has a theory. He has a kind of game plan or a playbook for how the arranged marriage agency could be done through like a scalable app that could maybe do like thousands and potentially later millions of is people this person here in town. Uh, no, no. Okay. No. Because I just met someone whose brother is working on an arranged marriage app yeah. who lives here. Really? Yes, dude. Yeah. All right. We got to get him on here to yeah. talk to him. All right. Cause yeah. he's probably stealing, stealing my ideas. Games. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. 
at the moment that's just a side project i'm I'm like really maxed out on time. I'm doing way too much. So uh, I'll get to it though, for sure. All right. Um, no other super. All right, everyone out there, we've got a good number of people in the house. Please subscribe to the channel. We're trying to grow the channel seriously now. Our goal is to get from 10,000 subscribers to 20,000 subscribers in the next in three, three months. months. That is the goal. It's going to happen. Um, I'm not sure exactly how, but if Ben does it, no, I'm going to do it. If this happens, I swear, I'm not kidding. I'm going to give Ben $5,000. Yes. And we'll make a video of it. And. Uh, so please do subscribe. That'd if it doesn't get to 20,000 in the next three months, then then I'll be dead. Probably. You know, you could die. Yeah. I mean, could that's die, all right. Maybe. Um, well, I mean, you'll be homeless. You'll know you'll be homeless and starving for at least a few months before you actually die. Yeah, That's going to suck. Think, yeah. That part is suck. But all right. Okay, let's see what else we have. What else? Pretty good question so far. Yeah, These are great. These are excellent. Um, let's see from, uh, is um name I can't pronounce. How do you see blockchain technology in the future? Can we say that we will go from big data to blockchain? Mm. I wouldn't think in those terms. I don't think that makes a ton of sense that way to put it. I definitely think blockchain is going to be huge. I think there's going to be uh, probably a handful of major blockchains that do different types of things. But I think it's going to become an increasingly omnipresent feature of of life and society as we know it i i definitely feel high conviction about that personally which is why most of my net worth is now in crypto but i would not say that we will go from big data to blockchain i just wouldn't put the put it in those terms that's not quite right i mean big data is going to go onto the blockchain in some sense i mean the blockchain is big data it's blockchain you know the blockchain is literally a big thing of data <laughs> and so as blockchain becomes more ubiquitous big data will become more ubiquitous and and they're they're generally complementary trends i would say so i wouldn't put it in in that language necessarily what other kind of questions we got we have a hater here all right let's t let's do it let's, right. let's tackle it will green well maybe he's not he's, maybe he's just like let's hear the haters curious. okay will green the reviews are not good on your book what do you have to say for the the reviews for on them the reviews on my book are indeed good the reviews the average, are very bad no, the average is pretty high. There are a couple bad reviews, and it's clearly haters who are extremely envious of my intellectual prowess and extremely, extremely envious of my good looks and general clout. I mean, it's pretty clear. If you if you read the reviews on Amazon, if you read the one star reviews or the bad reviews, um, it's pretty clear they're stupid people who are uh, dripping with resentment. But there are many good reviews, and I think the average review on base de on amazon i think average is like 4.5 or something look it up ben um yeah. i think it's 4.5 so amazon. that's propaganda the reviews are generally good generally quite good pull this up ben we must not put on the screen people who are spreading lies about oh me. right yeah i know this is it's okay much, let me take right where is yeah the, you got you got to do some tab yeah, management bro tab management let's see let's do a nice one let's see cute numina are you going to be investing a lot more in chat for god what are your plans for it it's a great question. So Chat for God is this other podcast, a little side project I've I started a while back with my friend Ashley, who you might know from Girls Chat. Then she didn't want to do it anymore. Fair enough. And then I met this other really cool chick named Marin Nelson, who is really badass. She's like very low key. Like she doesn't brag. She's a very humble person. But this girl, Marin, who's we've now done like five episodes of Chat for God. Uh, she's super badass. Like she's basically the first woman of her age to be funded by Sequoia Capital, which is one of the most, you know, uh, influential and 
respected venture capital firms out there. She had a startup called Clara Labs, which I think is still running. I think she she had an exit, but I believe it's still running. So uh, Marin Nelson, this this girl I met through, I actually met her first because she took the Bataille course. So she's like the super successful um, founder, basically. And then I meet her because she takes the Bataille course, which was cool. Uh, that's how we first got on each other's radar. And then when I said that I wanted to resume chat for God, but I was looking, I needed a co-host because Ashley didn't want to do it anymore. Lo and behold, Marin DM me and she was like, this concept sounds like exactly what I would love to do. And she's not really like a podcaster type of person. She's, she's very humble, modest person. Uh, so she's not really like a kind of clout chasing extroverted internet type. And, but she's like a Christian uh, or, you know, like many educated cosmopolitan people, you know, she has nuanced views about that and finds it kind of hard to describe exactly how she would articulate her religious position, but uh, came from a Christian family and has very strong kind of Christian longings and interests. And so it just seemed like a good fit. So anyway, that's the background, but she's a, she's a real badass. She's super cool, super smart, super sweet, um, very successful. And uh, so far it's been really fun. I've enjoyed doing it with her. She seems uh, like she enjoys doing it and she's recently kind of confirmed that she wants to keep doing it. The thing that I'm thinking about at the moment though, I'll just give you an, this is kind of insider baseball on, on what I'm thinking, but chat for God is, uh, so Marin is, has like a million followers on clubhouse. Like literally she has 1 million followers on the clubhouse app. And, uh, we did a clubhouse chat the other night where and we just called it chat for God. And it was bonkers. Like there were a thousand and a half people listening like the whole time. And it just felt kind of like it was, holy shit, we should just do clubhouse chats instead of a podcast is kind of like what my instinct was. Uh, she and I are going to talk about like the strategy, what we want to do for chat for God. But the short answer is we both like it. We both want to keep it going. I think it's a really cool mission. It's a really cool concept and it has a loyal fan base. It's not huge. The problem is that growing a podcast is so much work. It takes a lot of time and energy and it just, and just time. And um, I do want to put most of my heart and soul into growing the other life podcast. But uh, so, yeah, I'm we're kind of toying with the idea that maybe we'll just do we'll make it a club, a recurring clubhouse room or chat because uh, she has so many followers on clubhouse. But for the time being, the podcast carries on chat for God carries on. And we're kind of still discussing or, or strategizing what the future holds for the chat for God podcast. Um, that's how I would summarize it. What are you laughing at? Oh no, it's people want to see me get my ass beat by you. What are people so, saying? It, uh, saying, uh, that you need to discipline me that, uh, beat me on stream. Whoa. Right why, why do they want me uh, to discipline you? I don't know. I guess. What are you fucking up? I, I don't know. Probably everything. I'm no, sure. you're fine. Um, did you, so did you double check what my current reviews are for base to less on what I did on Amazon and on Goodreads? Yeah. On Amazon. Yeah. Amazon, you look pretty good. Let me, uh, so what's the average? Didn't you just do this? Yeah, I did. Um, but people weren't happy with that, I guess. Uh, average. Yeah. Four stars. Okay. Four. That's not great because the haters. Well, on Goodreads, you're like 2.3 or something. Yeah. Well, let's not pay attention to Goodreads. I mean, who is Goodreads? Goodreads is all. Goodreads is like social justice warriors. Yeah. True. Like, do you think I care about the opinions of like the average like social justice soccer mom on Goodreads? Come on. Come on. All right. Let's go to a new. um, Oh, wow. There's two. Super chat. All right. Well, you can't it. overlook the super chats because yeah, then people will yeah, never give the yeah, super chats. Man, Evie, this guy Evie has yeah. a ton of questions. Yeah, he's great. Thanks, All right. What Evie. do we got? Uh, let's see. So, base to Luz was great. We enjoy Thank what you. you do. I've been watching since the beginning. Leave Thanks a review, please. 
Yeah. Oh, wait, that's all of us? That's it. It wasn't nice. a question or comment? No, I mean, it was a comment. Yeah, oh, Evie, nice. good man. Yeah, good man. Great, I appreciate that. Guy. Um, Yeah, folks, actually, while we're on this topic, I'm glad I'm glad this came up because um, there are people out there who genuinely just really hate me. They probably never even based to us, but they left like a one-star review. So if you read based to us, please do me a favor. Just go and leave a review. Leave an honest review. But I would really appreciate that because four, four stars out of five, it ain't bad. But... um. I could use a few more reviews on base to less. So if you read it, you know, I would appreciate an extra review while we're at it. What else we got? All right. Um, here's a really interesting one. All $5 right. from Jared Morningstar. Thank you. Oh, Jared. what's up, Jared Morningstar? Shout out to Jared. I know Jared. Uh, Jared is a member of Indie Thinkers. What's up? Oh, awesome. What do we got? Uh, so he asks, what do you think about Christianity or Catholicism? If it would be helpful to be more specific is getting most wrong in its engagement with modernity. What do I think Christianity is uh, getting, getting most wrong in its engagement with modernity. Is getting most wrong yeah. with its engagement with modernity. Probably just liberalizing too much. Did you know that there's a faction of people in the Catholic Church who consider Pope Francis to be illegitimate? And they have like a breakaway sect. I forget what it's called. Remember, I think Jacob was telling us this the other night. Um, but yeah, I, I think probably that's the main. Yeah, that's th like what Mel Gibson's dad <clears throat> is affiliated with. It. No clue. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty based. I would say that's the main thing is Christianity is liberalizing too much. and But specifically, Christians today want to be didactic and rational, and they want to like justify and explain things to modern people. And I think that's a losing battle. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's That would be my main beef. Like, my second main beef would be that Christians today are just corny. There are too many corny Christians. And I say this with love to my Christian brothers and sisters. I'm not like throwing shade. And, I, and this is from a spirit of, of constructive criticism. Like... If you are a Christian and you live in a modern world in our modern culture, like you can't just be a normal Christian and talk about how like Jesus saved you and Jesus like speaks to you and stuff. You just can't say that exactly in that way to modern people because it just sounds dumb. And I'm not saying you should sell out or you should water down your beliefs or that you should candy coat things. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that you have to try to embody Christianity and like live Christianity in a way that is cool. Cause if you're doing it right, then it should be cool because it is true. And the truth is cool. So that's like how I, that's how I think about it. That yeah. might sound dumb to real Christians out there or like good Christians. Cause I'm not a good Christian. I'm just like, um, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a good Christian. My, my, my whole theory is that I believe Christianity is true. And I believe that if you are living according to the truth, then you should be living much better in many ways than normal people who are living according to something other than the truth. And that should just be so obvious through your spirit and through like the effects you have on people that you should be the epitome of cool. Like if you're really living according to the truth and Christianity is cool, then you should be cool. And most Christians are not cool. They're kind of the opposite of cool. So it's sort of like a contradictory response, right? Cause on the one hand I'm saying Christianity in the modern world is liberalizing too much. And then I'm also saying that, Christians in the modern world are like not updating enough to fit into the contemporary culture, but it only sounds contradictory. It's not, it's, it's kind of like a bimodal problem, I think. So, so some Christians just kind of capitulate too much to modern stuff. And that's a problem for sure. And then you have a different group of people who the real Christians who are like, they dig their heels in and they're like, I'm going all in on my Christian identity. They're doing an equally bad problem, uh, which is a separate problem which is this problem of they're just 
hopelessly cringe and they don't seem to really mind that they come off as cringe to other people. Whereas I'm like, if you're cringe, it means you're doing it wrong. That's my take. No more super chats, but there are plenty of questions. All right. You can pick your favorites. Okay. Okay. Um, just comments. All right, Ben, do you have any questions? Yeah, I would actually like to know your thoughts on uh, Eastern Orthodox Christianity, because it sounds like a lot of what you say is kind of applies to mm. that, like as far as like authentic, like being cool. You can remove that question from the screen. Great. I have not much to say about uh, Eastern Orthodox simply for lack of education. Oh, cool. All right. I went you to, come to liturgy. I went to an Orthodox liturgy once with Jacob. He oh, brought me right. in, nice. in, in New Mexico. It was beautiful. Yeah. Great people. It was very nice. But I just don't know enough about the history and I don't know enough about the tradition. Sure. Also, honestly, to be perfectly honest, mm -hmm. one of the things I like about religion and, and uh, my own background in Roman Catholicism is I just like the dogmatic aspect yeah. where like once you say you believe, you just don't even consider out like because it's it, it shouldn't it's hard to explain because I am a very rational person. And I'm constantly looking for the truth and I'm constantly comparing things and trying to find the real truth. But on the other hand, I think part of the appeal of religion precisely because it's based on faith is that once you commit your faith, you kind of don't want to be rationally entertaining competitor religions simply because, oh, sure. yeah. you know, I'm all for searching and I'm all for an open mind and I'm all for looking into everything, you know, for sure. But I kind of feel like part of the whole magic and benefit and value of religious faith is like, you just fucking decide yes. and then you get on with life. Yep. And it's like, is there another system that's better or more true? Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you, maybe you are, if you're, if you, if you want to live an intellectual life, you are obligated to always be searching for the truth and you do have to go where the truth is. So I'm not sure about what I'm saying, but that is my instinct is, is kind of like, you know, I don't really want to spend that much time studying every other religion, yeah. trying to see if it's true. Would you say then it essentially boils down to like aesthetic taste or preference in a way, or maybe maybe that's see. Good. I kind of think that's a punt too. I want to yeah. say something like I don't like that. That feels like a cop out. I want to okay. say I want to say something like once you decide on a faith and you invest yourself in a faith, it becomes the only true faith by virtue of you having invested in it. So like once you're once you're all in on faith and you you you've invested yourself religiously, then you it's appropriate to treat all of the other religions as false because you've already made the leap of faith. Sure. So I think there's something kind of irreversible about faith. I don't know exactly what that is, or I don't have like a developed theory of it, mm. but that's partially how, I, because like Jacob, you know, who's very educated and very thoughtful and articulate guy will, you know, could take me to school on how like Orthodox, Orthodox Christianity is like more legit than Roman Catholic mm. Christianity. And he can make historical arguments about how like, you know, Oh, it's really Rome that was the the deviant mm. uh, from from the true Church of Christ sure. or whatever. And since I'm not like super schooled up on this history, if I'm talking with an Orthodox person who's educated, I have to just kind of be like, okay, yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. And, but you know what I'm saying. So oh, I, yeah. that's just the honest truth. I don't really know, but but I feel like if I had that kind of rational mm -hmm. attitude. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be Christian in the first place. So that's where I that's sure. where I don't know how to how to solve that. What else we got? Awesome. Okay, so we have another super chat from Smash That State or Smash the State 1984. $2. Thank you, Smash the State. Really appreciate it. Um any advice for talking to a fundamentalist parent? I don't have fundamentalist parents, so I guess my advice should be taken with a grain of salt, but I've always been of the opinion when it comes to parents that when you're young you tell them whatever they need to hear so they lay off your case. And then when you're older, 
you try to be successful enough in life that you can tell them the you you can tell them like exactly what you think and feel. And then as you get older, then you start to tell them whatever they want to hear again, just because you want to make them happy. That's my that's my mental model of the life cycle of of how to manage parents. So to say it again, when you're young and they have complete power over you, just tell them whatever they want to hear. So they lay off your case. Then when you come of age and you really, you know, know yourself as an adult and you know your deepest convictions, because it depends on what age you are. If you're young, maybe you think something right now that your parents don't like, and you feel it's really important that you assert yourself against your parents and you're like 17 or something like that. Well, you might not think that thing in 10 years. 20 years, maybe your mind will change. So it's not really worth going to war with your parents over something that maybe you won't even think 10 years later. So when you're young, don't worry about their pol. Don't worry about your parents' philosophies or politics. Don't worry. It doesn't matter. Just be nice to them, respect them and tell them whatever you need to tell them. So they lay off your case and you can be free and relaxed and do your own thing secretly, <laughs> more or less, you know, um, that's how I was anyway. And it worked out pretty well. But then there is a point when you come of age where, to really feel like an, a, a true adult, sometimes you do need to tell your parents one or two or three things that you never really could tell them as a child. And to really feel like you have a good, true relationship with them, you need them to know it and you need them to accept it. That's a thing that people come to in their life. So when you reach that point, um, my advice there is just, you have to be independent and responsible enough that like, you know, you need to have your own paycheck. You need to have like a minimal basic success as an adult. I'm not saying super successful, but you know, if you want, if you want to tell your parents something um, that you disagree with them about, and you want to keep your chin up high, and you want to say, "Mom, Dad, I think fundamentalist religion is bad, but I love you and I respect you," you need to have the material and economic basis of your life sorted, such that you can stand on your own two feet on on your own ground. Because they, maybe they won't like it. Maybe they're going to try to fight you. Maybe they're going to make you know conflict with you. And you need to be able to handle that. And uh, if you don't have true economic independence of a, of a basic kind, then you're not really going to be able to assert yourself. But so once you come of age and you have basic economic independence, you should tell your parents those three or four things that you really need to tell them to respect them and, and, and to have a true adult relationship with them. But then once you get that off your chest and you've, you've come of age, then as your parents get older, honestly, they become more and more confused about everything. <laughs> and, uh, what, and your political opinions and their political opinions don't matter that much because they become, you know, boomers and, you know, they're going to have ridiculous opinions about technology or this or that. And you just say, Oh yeah, I hear you mom. That, or yeah, dad, I know what you mean. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I get that. Cause at the end, as your parents get older, you just want them to be happy. You just want to love them. Your job is just to be sweet, to give them happiness and calmness and, and love them unconditionally. And at that point, it doesn't really care. It doesn't really matter what your parents believe. And you shouldn't really, you should just be nice to them and, and affirm whatever they believe. Not don't lie, obviously, but you know, just be kind and skip over anything you disagree with because it doesn't matter. That's my theory of parents. Well said. What else we got? Uh, cute Numina uh, uh, giving uh, $4.99. Thank you so much. Big spender on this great. channel. Yeah, that's great. Sheesh. Um, can you riff on the importance blockchain has on Christianity? Ooh. I don't think the blockchain has much importance on Christianity because if Christianity is true and it's been true, mm -hmm for all time and will be true for all time and is not contingent on any, you know, earthly innovations. But as we've talked about on this on this podcast a few times, there are some profound, let's call them elective affinities between Christianity and and the blockchain. There there are some surprising thematic overlaps and and consistencies that are really quite stunning when you when you start looking at them. 
So I do think in a certain way, the blockchain, as the blockchain becomes a more ubiquitous feature of modern life and social organization, I could see it actually pushing certain people closer to Christianity. Because I think the way you the way the way you watch blockchain come together, it is a kind of miracle. I mean, it it, it is kind of it is so profound that I could see the blockchain being a kind of religious catalyst for a certain kind of religiously inclined, technologically sophisticated person. Because a lot of the people I know who are the smartest people are both really advanced on technology. They're super into tech and innovation and engineering, and, and they're really smart on all of that. And they're secular or atheistic, but really only because they see religion as this kind of outdated, dumb thing. But they feel like a big hole in their heart. You know, they feel a big a, a big gap in their life. And I think given the profound commonalities between blockchain and Christianity, I think this type of person might be able to, in the blockchain, see a kind of technical instantiation of 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 the truth of religion. In particular, the kind of social and bootstrapped nature of of religion. Like religions are these kind of cybernetic phenomena. And in a way that blockchain are also that blockchains are also so that's just one of many commonalities, but I could see something like that. I, I could see blockchain inspired religious conversions. What else? All right. That's some interesting uh, riffs. Oh, on man, I have this massive hole in my I knew that I oh, where is it? Oh, oh no. shit. I have it in you both have armpits. Yeah. Fuck, man. This that's is a based. nice wool. This is a nice wool cardigan. And I, I fucking destroy everything that I own. I knew that I had small ones in the in the armpits, but I didn't know they were that big. God damn it! That looks great. I like the style. Holes in vogue, um, dude. I'm see. pretty pleased with the number of viewers. Yeah, on, man. On this. Fifty-four. Um, it's like above average for me. So is this it? is cool that people. Oh, wow. I can do this all night. I find this fun. Um, oh, man, look at that. Thank you, Smash the State, 1984. Just five dollars. No message. Just being Nothing cool. Yet. Thank you, Smash the John State. Cage. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, what else we got? All right, everyone. Smash that. This is a final opportunity to get some questions in. We've been going for an hour for an hour and fifteen minutes. So otherwise, I think we're going to look to wrap this up. But you can squeeze in a final question if you want to. And yeah. while you're here, subscribe to the channel. Click the bell. Make sure you get notifications because I do these live streams and you don't want to miss it. You want to get that sweet, sweet notification in your pocket so you know when I'm going live. You can jump on, hang out with us. You know, you want to be able to say that you. You knew Justin before he was cool. You knew <laughs> you knew Justin when he had ten thousand subscribers. We only have ten thousand subscribers. Oh, yeah. Ben, check right now the uh -huh. subscriber count. Okay, maybe Let's do it. maybe we can we we're gonna get to ten thousand subscribers very soon, folks. Very very soon. So uh, help us get there. Subscribe to the channel. But uh, no, you had it on the dashboard. There you go. Oh, I did. I was just refreshing it. Yes, we are currently at nine thousand nine hundred and thirty nine. Cool. So only about sixty more to go. Wow. So, uh, yeah. All oh, right. we have one more uh, super chat. All right, what do we got? Okay, Michael, what's your best framing of Christianity that you think could get uh, atheist buy-in? Oh, what's up, Michael? Thanks for the question. Yeah, thank you so much. Let's see, $5. the best framing of Christianity that gets atheist buy-in. Well, I think that there are a, a handful of very good rational arguments for Christianity that are still not popular enough, and I think this would be the answer to the question. So I think William James is one of the best authors on this. Because William James is, you know, well-trained in a kind of modern scientific spirit, more or less was a modern scientific psychologist in the early days, of course, but uh, in the early 20th century, late 19th century. And I think he makes some of some of the best arguments. So, for instance, a book I have, which I'm a big fan of, let me see if I have it 
right here. Yeah. I'm a big fan of this book. It's called The Will to Believe. It's basically a collection of essays and and they're more popular essays and speeches and lectures that William James gave. And uh, he makes a lot of really good arguments in this book that I think appeal very compellingly to atheists because he's basically, I'll give you an example. One just like that comes off the top of my head. I haven't read this in many weeks or months, but one good argument is that what if the relationship to God is a relationship that you can only have if you believe in God. And he makes the amazing point that this is actually true with people. This is, I love this point. This is something that really stuck out from this book. He says, basically, if you meet a new person, right? Uh, and you assume in your mind, this person doesn't like me. This person's never going to like me, right? Then you're never going to become friends with that person because of assumptions you're making about that other person. If you think that person doesn't like you, you're going to act in a way that's standoffish. You're going to, you know, avoid them, you know, whatever. Um, or you're just going to act towards them in a way that is lame. And, you know, they're, you're never going to become friends with that person because you believe you're never going to become friends with that person, basically. And if we know that this type of phenomenon happens on earth, in our everyday life, all of the time, like there are many other examples you can, you can cite. He just uses this one example of, of meeting a new person and, and potentially becoming friends with them. If you don't believe you're going to become friends with them, you're definitely not going to become friends with them. So if we know that this happens in the world and any rational scientific atheist person can admit that this is a, that this is a fact, we see this type of, of structure or process in the earthly world. Why would it not also apply to God? I think that's very compelling, right? And so in other words, if you don't believe in God, then you're probably never going to know God, right? It just makes sense. So if you, but if you do believe in God, then maybe you can. I think that's, I think that's pretty damn compelling, honestly, because it actually applies equally, you know, equally well to actual relationships we have in front of us in the world. That's just one example. But yeah, this book is filled with a bunch of others too. Anything else? No money questions. But, uh, All right. Well, unless there's one that's really good to you that you really are interested in. We've done an hour and a half now almost. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. Have you read David Foster Wallace? He had some very interesting thoughts on religion and Christianity from an agnostic perspective. Yeah, I read a book of his short essays. I forget what it was called. And it was a collection of, I think, some fiction and some essays. I forgot the title of it. But and like many people, I started Infinite Jest when I was a young angsty man and never finished it but uh no i didn't love it honestly i no. didn't love it i i know no disrespect to david foster wallace and i think he was a very smart guy for sure and interesting life and interesting project but i don't know how to put this delicately he <laughs> well he was a, he was a depressed person you know and that doesn't in any way invalidate someone's work but i guess i personally have a a personal taste where i could kind of sense his depressiveness you're a bloomer i'm a bloomer yeah uh, i could i could sense his depressiveness and it and it kind of turned me off you know personally i'm very scared of depression i've i've, I've had one bout of depression in my life like proper depression and it was the it was the worst thing i've ever known mm -hmm. one of the scariest things i've ever known and i'm a little afraid of the the contagiousness of depression yep. and so this is no disrespect to people who suffer from depression you know i'm uh but I just think we should be alert, alert to the to the sometimes contagious nature of it. And so when there's like a writer or an author or a figure who is depressed or I feel is is 
you know, deeply expressing a kind of depressive worldview, I do sometimes conscientiously make the decision to not immerse myself in, in that person's work. I think that, that kind of Schopenhauer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never read a ton of Schopenhauer a little bit when I read it in, in my younger years, when I was obsessed with Nietzsche, definitely read a little bit of Schopenhauer, but yeah, I never got into him too much, probably for the same reason, perhaps. Yeah. Anything else? I think I'm, I'm probably done unless there are super chats. Yeah. No more super chats. I'm kind of fried, but cool. folks, thank yeah. you for coming out. Thank you for hanging out. This was fun. Yeah, was uh, those are some really interesting questions. In fact, I almost feel like we should, I, I think we might do this more because I kind of appreciate the challenge. Oh of, no. I appreciate the challenge of uh, totally unpredictable and challenging questions. And looking back on the past hour, I actually, I don't feel that I performed as well as I could have. I, I actually wasn't prepared for so many good questions. Yeah, these so, were great. But the fact that people are actually throwing super chats and that means Ben is able to buy his tacos tonight yeah. makes me actually inspired to want to do this more. And I think yeah, next time, fine. I think we will do this again. And next time I'm going to show up in my prime. I'm going to show up right. uh, more relaxed, more focused, and more really ready to go. I had a long day today, so I'm a, I'm a little, I'm a little below par. But next time, let's do this, and uh, and I'll take some, I'll take, I'll take some more of these questions, and I'll, 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 I'll try to really impress you with better answers. I think we just got two more. Oh, five bucks a pop. Excellent. Anything for Ben's taco money. All right, here we go. Okay, so here's the first one. Yes. Uh, Smash the state, 1984. Again, thank you so much. Um, my dad says I shouldn't have had my daughter because we're in the end times. Oof. That was just, I think, a comment. Well, I think that's a crazy thing to say to your son that they shouldn't have a daughter because it's end times. I think that's, I think that's a shame. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry. Your father said that to you, but from my perspective, I don't see why you, the end times would be a bad time to have kids. Like if we're, if we're really living in end times, all that really means is that, you know, good people will go to heaven. Bad people will go to hell. Everyone will meet their maker. And I don't see that's why I don't see, I don't see that as being a reason why people shouldn't have kids. Okay, uh, here's cute Numina again. Thank you again for the uh, $4.99. Um, seriously. Okay, thoughts on Mark Fisher, please, not the same as last time. Well, I don't remember what my thoughts on Mark Fisher were last time. I like Mark Fisher. I was friends with him. I admired him a lot and respected him a lot and always enjoyed hanging out with him. And in the kind of left-wing political groups that I was active in, in in England, he was one of my favorite people for sure. So yeah, I, I really like that guy. I don't want to use like, um, how do I like, I don't, we were friends for sure. And we hung out a couple of times, like we met up for coffee a couple of times. And then of course I was active with him in a bunch of groups and organizations and meetings and stuff like that. So we spent a fair time, a fair amount of time around each other. I only hung out with him like one-on-one -on -one a couple of times, but so I don't want to like overhype. Oh, I was best friends with Mark Fisher. No, we weren't best friends, but we were friends and we were comrades actively in like in, in, in organization and he was one of my favorite people for sure he was very supportive of me and uh trying to think i i always i have a hard time talking about the recently deceased i, I think i think you gotta let you gotta let more time pass before you say too much you know I, I i have some thoughts about his work and then some thoughts about his life and some observations about you know our interactions um all of which were good honestly like i i I have nothing but good things to say about him and, and my own personal experiences with him. Like, I don't think I've told many people this, but um, I had a book manuscript that I wrote when I was a professor and I was sending it off to presses for a review. I was trying to get a book published, basically. And uh, I struck out a bunch of times. Like I sent it to places like Verso or whatever, struck out, whatever. Um, and this was the time when he was just 
starting up repeater with, uh, what's the guy's name? Goddard, which was, I think the original founder of zero books and Mark Fisher, good man that he was, uh, no, see, I don't even want to, I don't want, I, there's a lot of like clout chasing around Mark and I just don't want to do it. So I'm going to, I'm just going to punt on this. Basically he was supportive of me. He was always very supportive of me. And, uh, I'm very grateful for that. I got nothing but good things to say about Mark. I, I, I have a few kind of little stories. Maybe I'll tell you later and later when more time has passed, but, um, there's like a little cottage industry of like people who are kind of building brands on Mark Fisher. And, uh, I'm not throwing shade on anyone else. I don't, I don't think anyone has any, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to get into any fights about it, but, uh, I feel a little gross telling like personal stories about Mark and, and interesting, like little anecdotes just cause I feel like it's too soon after his death. I don't want anyone to think I'm like, uh, you know, yeah, I just want to let that be. Um, but thanks for asking. He was cool. Awesome dude. Awesome dude. Anything else? No, no money ones. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out. Subscribe to the channel. Click the bell. We are going to try to grow this channel to the best of our ability. And uh, Ben only has three months left before he's graduated from university, yeah. at which point I want to be able to pay him. $5,000. But we did Old good with the Super that. Chats tonight, folks. Yeah, Thank man. you. Thank um, you so much. Everybody. All the Super Chats go directly to Ben. I mean that. And uh, probably made, what, like 50 bucks or something? Somewhere around yeah. there? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, folks. Thanks for the good questions. I want to do this again. This was fun. I, I like taking random questions. Yeah, I like the challenge because it is it is sometimes quite challenging. But uh, all right. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Take it easy. God bless. Later. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, you should send it to a friend. Just email it to them or post it on your social networks, whatever. And to learn more about what we discussed in this podcast or to send me questions to address in future episodes, please just go to otherlife.co and you'll find everything there. There's actually a ton of cool stuff on there. So check it out if you haven't already. Thanks again, folks. I'll see you here next time.